You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Glad to see everybody. Let's go ahead and begin with a prayer. Gracious and Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, um, this day which uh, is your day uh, unto us, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ our Lord. Um, make us us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of thine only Son, Jesus Christ. And grant that as we joyfully receive him for our Redeemer, so we may with sure confidence behold him when he shall come to be our judge, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. I didn't make that prayer up. Um, I opened my eyes and was reading the second half of it. Um, uh, one of our great prayers, we have two in our prayer book, uh, Collects for Christmas. Um, and that's just a good place to start, to kind of pick this prayer apart a little bit. So, they can know um, room in the MJ. Um, what's that? They can know room in the MJ. Indeed, no room in the inn. Um, uh, we're going to find that weakness here in just a minute. That's true. Um, thinking about that prayer, I hear these words, the downward action. This is the place to start as we're thinking about Christmas. This is just part two of the Christmas class, which lets me put myself into the mood of what's happening and why we're all sort of here and excited and you know just driving around and and Christmas is coming it's Wednesday but then also want to square up to but then there's Thursday you know and it's still it's December 26th you know big deal but then we'll try to reckon with that a little bit but then we'll also come back to think you know the Lord sees that as well that Wednesday and Thursday and Good Friday and Easter and a random day in the middle of July are all within his sight underneath his purview. And all of them is the announcement that Christ has come into the world to save sinners. And that's good news. So that's where we're going today. And a good place to start is with this prayer. Um, you hear these words, um, the words of, of uh, I think, of Christina Rossetti, um, Love Comes Down at Christmas, uh, Love All Lovely, Love Divine, Love Was Born at Christmas, Star and angels gave the sign. The downward action of God is always the action of Christmas. Um, O God, who makest us glad, and he comes down with the yearly remembrance of the birth. We receive a birth. Birth has their own timing, with the exception of you know Pitocin, which is a remarkable drug. Um, where you can, uh, otherwise, you wait. You suffer the waiting until the birth. Um, with the remembrance of the birth of thine only Son, Jesus Christ, grant that as we joyfully receive, again, the passive place, him for our Redeemer, so we may with sure confidence behold, and again, that's a passive place where something else is outside of us, and we're, we're apprehended by it. We're opened to it. We behold, and for those of y'all been in my class this fall with the, the Gospel of John, it's been one of the words which has arrested me more than any other in the last couple of years. Just the repetition of the word, behold. And it's the word of sobriety. It's the word of, of being awoken. It's the word of come. It's the word of arise and hear. Behold. This is what's truly true and really real and actually actual. With sure confidence, behold him when he shall come. And there he comes to us. Love comes to us and down at Christmas to be our judge who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. We do not, we cannot go to God. And it's just the way. There is no Jacob's ladder 
where we're climbing up to God. God is always climbing down to us. In the muck and the mire, he comes to us. Come, thou long-expectant, so our cries with Charles Wesley. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Because that's where we are, which is why we can't go to him, because we're so locked and paralyzed. Um, uh, From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. And so there's Wesley echoing Augustine, um, that our hearts are restless until they find their rest, until we are found and rested, as it were, uh, by God in Christ. So here we are, the Christmas story, the same old story. Um, Let's just hear it again. I'm going to move really quickly because lots to do um, uh, and so little time, as as, as Willy Wonka once said. (laughs) In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Hold on. Let me me give you three prompts. Listen for these themes. Nazareth because we're about to hear about Nazareth. What was Nazareth? Nazareth is Nowheresville. Um, I said this once recently, uh, so forgive me if there's repetition. Um, uh, but we all have places that we're proud that we're not from. <laughs> <laughs> Nazareth is that place. Well, at least I'm not from Nazareth. And where does God come? He comes to Nazareth. Nazareth is Nowheresville. It's nothing. It's backwater. has nothing going for it. There is nothing to commend yourself about Nazareth. People from Mississippi or Al- can say like, well, at least we're not from Nazareth. That was supposed to be funny. Um, so there's that. And then there's the story of displacement. There is no room for them at the end. Um, that from the beginning, there's displacement. There's no room. It doesn't fit. Um, you can't squeeze it in. You can't make it work. Um, and then the last theme to listen for, and this is for the day, weakness. The story drips with weakness, whether it's the weakness of Nazareth or that there's no room or the shepherds or that there's strips of cloth because they didn't have clothing or whether it's the fear. It's always a story of weakness. And so we hear these stories with these things in mind, Nazareth, displacement and weakness. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, power, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the house of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. So, um, let's put some images here. These are from last week. We're not going to look at those again. Um, Bruegel, Peter Bruegel. Um, uh, come, please talk anything you want to here. Um, our history teacher here. Um, Flemish painter, late 16th, 17th century, early 17th century. Just great because the hustle and bustle, um, I think this is called um, the nativity or the, the way to Bethlehem or something else like that. We see all just a normal uh, life happening where in a place of displacement and Nazareth and weakness happening amidst butchers doing their thing and cocks crowing and roosters rooing and people playing games on, uh, uh, on a frozen lake. We have Mary and Joseph with a very soulful eye, a little bit of sadness, always a tinge of sadness when Mary is nearby uh, of a cow. Uh, an otherwise ordinary day, the most extraordinary thing in all of history is about to begin and unfold. And it would otherwise go completely unnoticed. And that's what Peter Bruegel wants to tell us. In the midst of everything else, something is happening, whether you know it or not. How silently, how silently the word is pleading. We're going to come back to that. That in the midst of everything else, Fear not, for the Lord is so for you that you don't even have to know what's going on. All these people have no idea what's happening right here as she makes her way to have a baby who, in fact, is the creator of the world who has limited himself and placed himself into a trough. So I'm going to skip another one of Bruegel for time. Oh, this is really interesting. I won't, because I just have to do this little throwaway line. This is fun. This is the same artist um, after Christ is born with the visit of the three kings right here, here, and here. And it's just interesting to give the contrast of the ordinary to the extraordinary. This was his own take on it. And interesting, here's a guy with an uh, uh, early example of eyeglasses. You just don't see this very often. Um, in, uh, in back then, but he looks remarkably like The Edge, I think, which is really interesting <laughs> to me. So, um, so I had to throw that in there, the gratuitous U2 reference, probably not going to have anything else. Um, but then with just the, because um, we're going to come back to see an um, amazing piece of Rembrandt here in a moment, uh, which is probably one of the two images that I'm carrying with me into Wednesday. But here, the supplication of the kings to the Christ child in the middle of a trough. Uh, but don't have time to really go there. Um, I do want to read this part from John Donne. Uh, uh, thinking about um, Bruegel's picture of, of in the midst of hustle and bustle and distraction and ordinary, something is happening. Something, as it were, that's silent and unknown and unnoticed. And John Donne, I don't think I gave this to you, just some, some pieces that, that he wrote that described it as this. Immensity, which is the word he's going to call Christ, the Christ child. Um, uh, immensity cloistered in thy dear womb now leaves his well-beloved imprisonment. There he hath made himself to his intent weak enough now into the world to come. But oh, for thee, for him hath the end no room. Seest thou, my soul, with thy faith's eyes, 
how he which fills all place, yet none holds him, doth lie. John Donne in you know 1610, uh, knocking on the same door that I'm trying to tap right now, trying to get us to feel a little bit of the feeling of weakness, of Nazareth, and of displacement. Um, to anticipate what December 26th is like so we can go back and hear with the wonder all, uh, the wonder and all of God coming to us that we could just raise our hands and yield. That's what I'm trying to do. That's where we're heading. And here's John Donne. Immensity, the word uh, which fills uh, all place and can't be held. As far as the east is from the west, he's larger than that. There's no way to describe the immensity of God. And yet he's cloistered, imprisoned, his well-beloved imprisonment into a womb of a teenage girl. Immensity imprisoning himself, emptying himself, as Paul would say, uh, uh, and pouring himself into a very finite place. This well-beloved imprisonment there in Mary's womb (coughs) He hath made himself to his intent for as long as God saw it fit to be uh, weak enough now into the world to come. And what an interesting idea to think about this, that God at the incarnation, at the conception, uh, was waiting until he was weak enough. God growing down, as it were, weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker until the fullness of time said, now, now, I shall come into the world as a child. So with all this, God coming down and emptying himself and actually growing down into weakness, uh, we then move and we think about this. Um, This is the way we often think of Christmas, I think. Um, Very pure, very clean, very white. Um, uh, I'm not trying to pick on that per se. But this is a lot more what it's like read a little bit of W.H. Auden last week um, where his father, remember this part? thought it was funny on a couple of levels. Um, he said, I'm sorry you didn't understand my poem, Dad. <laughs> um, what I was trying to say was blank, 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 and blank. Um, feels very contemporaneous. I'm sorry to understand what I was trying to say. The fact that they were shepherds, Auden said, uh, is accidental. What matters is that they were lowly and weak and displaced. They were hourly wage earners that most people would dismiss. This wasn't Caesar Augustus or the corner office. It was somebody on the down and out. And here's, here's, here's visual images to, to try to express the same thing. I've loved this image. Um, I don't know who this artist is, but they call it Nativity Mississippi Delta, where it's just young kids. The implication is, you know, these are the parents of this young boy. That would be not too dissimilar. Joseph was older than Mary. We think that certainly. But, I mean, we're thinking uh, Nazareth and weakness and displacement. And it's something like this. The fact that it's a manger, again, is accidental. If Christ came into the world now, he'd be born. The story would go, you know, when he was born in an alley um, in, uh, in a forgotten part of Mumbai or something else like that. Um, Or, instead of a manger, he might be laid in a box and then wrapped with whatever he can find, maybe some socks for gloves or something else like that. Trying to arrest us a little bit and just open a crack 
try to bring in the same old story in a slightly different way where we begin to uh, hear of Christ coming into the world when he is weak enough now, he says. So the word, as Ben Johnson called it, uh, which made heaven and uh, which heaven and earth did make, was now laid in a manger. And then he asks this question: There's another uh, uh, 17th century poet. Can man forget the story? And unfortunately, I want to say yes. <laughs> That's the December 26th part, um, where we certainly can. It's all well and good to remember these things and have the good feelings, but but what happens when I do this? which is to say, turn away from the story and go about my daily business. And like I do 98.996% of the time, live as if God doesn't exist. Live outside of a conscious apprehension or awareness that Christ has come into the world to save sinners. Me! Praise be to God, thank you. I should, with wonder, awe, and praise, empty myself to you, and yet I don't. I act like I'm actually in charge of my life and move through. And again, W.H. Auden, I've got to move quickly. Um, lots to say about this that I'm not going to be able to say, that I couldn't say even if I tried. Um, but he's here. This is the same guy who wrote his father and said, I'm sorry to understand my story. What I was trying to do was take the religious accidents, the things that happened to be the facts at the time, and put them into something that was a little bit more universal, something more contemporaneous. This was 1942. His mother had just died, and the war was at its nadir, was at its low point. Um, He was an Englishman who fled the war and moved to the States, so he had some of that guilt going on. So it's complex, lots going on around him. And so he's coming in, as it were, the day after Christmas, just like our day after Christmas, where there's a tree, there's presents, now there's wrapping paper, and you're tired, and you just want to go and put your feet up or do something else. that's where this, this poem, that's where he picks up. It's towards the end of this Christmas oratorio. So I'll try to read it with some effect. Well, so that is that. Now we must dismantle the tree, putting the decorations back into the cardboard boxes. Some have got broken and carrying them up the attic. The holly and the mistletoe must be taken down and burnt, and the children got ready for school. There are enough leftovers to do warmed up for the rest of the week. Not that we have much appetite, having drunk such a lot, stayed up so late, attempted, quite unsuccessfully, to love all our relatives, and in general, grossly overestimated our powers. Once again, as in previous years, we have seen the actual vision and failed to do more than entertain it as an agreeable possibility. Once again, we have sent him away, begging, though, to remain his disobedient servant, the promising child who cannot keep his word for long. The Christmas feast is already a fading memory, and already the mind begins to be vaguely aware of an unpleasant whiff of apprehension at the thought of Lent and Good Friday, which cannot, after all, now be very far off. But for the time being, here we all are, back in the moderate Aristotelian city of Darning in the 815 where Euclid's geometry and Newton's mechanics would account for our experience and the kitchen table exists because I scrub it. It seems to have shrunk during the holidays. The streets are much narrower than we remembered. We had forgotten the office was as depressing as this. To those who had seen the child, however dimly, however incredulously, The time being is, in a sense, 
the most trying time of all. For the innocent children who whispered so excitedly outside the locked door where they knew their presence to be grew up when it opened. Now, recollecting that moment, we can repress the joy, but the guilt remains conscious. Remembering the stable where for once in our lives everything became a you and nothing was an it. There's a lot there. All I want to say is remembering the stable where for once in our lives, in this what he calls the time being. I wish I had circles. This is the old, behold, the new has come. But see, there's an overlap. And right here in the overlap, the Bible calls the last days. This is where we are. This is December 26th where we in the last days are slogging it out, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God, um, waiting for our own revelation as, as fully redeemed, no longer in the presence of sin, free from everything up to and including death. Um, we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And this is the time being, this time in between the times. The old is gone and the new has come. And here we are. And then the grace of God, which we're about to make this transition, which is so utterly gracious that we don't even have to know that it's happening to us, backfills, as it were, and clarifies things, makes things so known and concrete that for a gracious moment, I'm not using that word incidentally, for a gracious moment where we're given something beyond our deserts, our merit, here we are again, Bryant Denny, Come to Birmingham. Anyway, so, um, uh, remembering the stable where, for once in our lives, everything became a you and nothing was an it. Um, he means uh, where everything was personal. I had a name. I wasn't just, going back to Bruegel, I wasn't just one of those people. It's like I know him. I choose him. I died for him. I want him. He is mine. And nothing and no one was an it. An unnamed, impersonal, I'm not quite sure, but we'll just kind of lump them into together in a category. Christmas comes down and it's extremely personal. That's what Auden wants to say. So continuing, we're going to find our way to an exit here. Come back to my notes. Uh, Phillips Brooks, Episcopal Bishop, um, who wrote A Little Town of Bethlehem, I think is a great interpreter. The older I get, the more I like this, this, uh, this hymn, which seems to be mostly associated with children, but there's a lot going on in A Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, and letting Phillips Brooks be our interpreter with this sense of the realization of that I am like a man after looking in a mirror, I walk away and I forget what I look like. And all of you become impersonal its and I don't behold and I don't hear things correctly and I don't see things correctly and I've generally just grossly overestimated my powers uh, and become uh, a beggar that let me remain your disobedient servant, as Auden said. Phillips Brooks is a good interpreter of God's work being done in his way uh, in a silent pleading, uh, personifying the city of Bethlehem um, like a Nazareth, uh, a, a forgotten sort of uh, ancillary part of, of Jerusalem. 
O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Listen to the words, the affective words, which describe stillness or silence or sleeping or passivity or a lack of power or potency or ability. All of that is the emphasis of Philip Brooks here. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary, and gathered all above while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. The morning stars together proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. And so now here's our plea. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us this day. We hear the Christmas angels, the glad tidings, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. God's grace is so utterly gracious, we don't even know that the gift has been given. We're like the guy playing dice in Bruegel's painting. It's like, who knew? Who knew? And how silently, how silently, dear Christ enters in. So let's move towards an end. Um, we've got a sense of the weakness and displacement, our own gross overestimation of our power to actually behold things as they are, that God in his grace is doing something uh, whether we know it or not. Uh, and now we come to this uh, transition to hopefully a place of, of wonder, uh, of awe and of fear, like the shepherds, where we need to be told, fear not, for this is for you, that personal word. It's no longer in it. Um, echoing what I read last week, a poem by William Yates, um, uh, where Mary is speaking. What is this flesh I purchased with my pains? Um, this fallen star my milk sustains, this love that makes my heart's blood stop or strikes a sudden chill into my bones and bids my hair stand up. Mary, I mean, there had to be a place where she wondered, okay, let it be unto me, but what am I going to give birth to? Like, is this a person? I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, it's an alien. I get that. It's not from here. It, it literally is not of this world. What's it going to look like? Who's it going to be? Who, who is this flesh that I purchased with my pains? And then William Chatterson Dix coming in that same way. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's hapless sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch her keeping? Um, good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. So with that, uh, as we begin to reckon with the question, who is this alien? Who is this child? What child is this? What's happening to us? What has happened here? Uh, uh, 
I didn't not going to do this, but Bob Dylan is still right with me. Uh, one of the ones I'd recommend of uh, uh, Adeste Fidelis from his Christmas album. I can't remember what it's called. Where in his inimitable drawl, uh, he, he pulls out in the Latin, Adeste Fidelis. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Here, ye who receive the gift of faith, the gift of belief, you faithful, the fidelis, here, uh, let's stand up and come. Not going to read that. That's there with you. But the great hymn, O come all ye faithful, the rise up and rejoice us who have been given this gift. Uh, I do want to go here within that vein. This is the Rembrandt paintings that I'm thinking of, which will be the... Um, Shift to Annie Lennox. We are going to listen to one more about her, not in the bleak midwinter, which is still unsurpassed. So, <laughs> um, but she did another song, another version of the first Noel, which isn't a song I spent a lot of time with, but that's the one, surprisingly to me, that's kind of stood out the most. So, we're going to end with that in just a minute. But here's the Rembrandt. I think he's going to make it um, as an artist. He's really got something going on here. Um, uh, the Adoration of the Kings, where you get the whole piece. What would this be called? So I call this sepia now. What would you call this then? I mean, just bronze tones or something? Or? Yeah, it's tenebrism. Tenebrism. Okay. So tenebrism, uh, <laughs> where it comes in. But I come to this. I mean, this is amazing. I just keep zooming in where the... I mean, it's so reminiscent of, if you have in your mind's eye, the return of the prodigal son, where the emphasis is on the hands. And the one hand of the father is feminine, and the other hand is masculine. I'm start crying. Uh, and Rembrandt just gets it. How silently, how silently the word is pleading for us with this emphasis on the hands, where this old man, power, Obviously, he comes, he's a man to be reckoned with, and yet a certain humility, and certainly in his posture. I mean, he just exudes this submission as he approaches so gently and so tenderly the Christ child. And we zoom in even a step further, and you just see these hands and this face. Can it be that thou, O Lord, wouldst die for me, this child? born to me this day for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the world. So Rembrandt, have him in mind. And we're going to listen to uh, uh, Annie Lennox. And I dropped in some photos. So it's like a, what an, a fo- iPhotos movie or something else like that. Annie Lennox singing the first Noel, which is in your handout. Um, not something I really thought much about. Um, let me get the lyrics. Um, the first three verses tell the story the story of uh, Christ coming and then the shepherds and then the kings. But then the last one, it comes out. Can I borrow somebody? Can I see that for a minute? The last verse, which stands up and asks us, similar to, O come all ye faithful, let us then with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord. And I have him in my head when I hear this. He that hath made heaven, he that made heaven and earth of naught, he that made heaven and earth from nothing, and made them something. And with his blood, mankind hath bought. And then she starts just crooning, Noel, 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 born as the king of Israel. And then the way that she weaves this arrangement, because it's not quite the same as we normally hear this hymn, uh, like in the Bleak Midwinter, where she raises the last verse to a different place. 
uh, one that causes me to want to stand up or maybe kneel down along with this king. Uh, and I hear this word just repeated, Noel, 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 Noel. And I had to go back and figure out what what is Noel again? Um, it's uh, came into Old English via Latin in France. Um, nativity, natal, birth, Christmas. All those words are around there. And so it's like she just keeps singing like a hammer hitting a nail. Christmas, 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 which is behold, behold. It's like the word being washed and telling us, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. At least that's how I hear Annie Lennox. So we're going to do this four minutes, 40 seconds, and we'll come back and we'll end on this. Maybe we'll have a minute. I'd ask you to turn the lights down, but let's don't touch them. Oh. 
I love that part. Gracious God, you are so gracious to us. Though we forget you, you forget us not. Um, uh, pleading for us uh, uh, in, in so many ways. Thank you for your Son, our Savior, Christ Jesus, our Lord, um, for his birth to come among us to die for us. Um, thank you. Uh, we ask all this, we say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. So. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.